It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Welcome to Confidence in Bloom with Tina Spolatini. In a world of unrealistic beauty standards, this podcast stands as a beacon of truth. I, Tina, believe every woman is enough just as she is. Join us on a journey of self-acceptance and empowerment through inspiring conversations with extraordinary women. Today, my guest, is Rosanna Patella. Rosanna always shares Alice of Wonderland's habit of imagining six impossible things before breakfast. Rosanna shares a vision, creates the dream team to shoulder the challenge, blazes the trail, demonstrating daily her belief that no problem is unsolvable. Rosanna never acts her age, acts on the opinions of naysayers, or leaves a bully unscathed. She is the proud mother of four, Beautiful, accomplished daughters, including Madrika. Welcome, Rosanna. Thank you. Wow, that was a great intro. I'm really happy to be here. Excellent, excellent. So, I mean, I know that you and I will be able to talk for hours because we met a few <laughs> weeks ago and we, could, we couldn't stop talking. So tell me, maybe let's start a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about you. Sure. Um, I think the the core of me is that uh, I think I was just gifted by the universe with this kind of unique ability to solve problems since I was a child. So I take no credit for it. I think it's a blessing from the universe. And so my life has taken a pattern of problem solving. So I am a management consultant and I solve problems problems for big companies that need to do things more efficiently, for example. I am an um, agile coach, and I am a fitness coach, and now I've taken up weightlifting. Uh, all of these are solving problems for me. But the, the story of Madrika, which is what I wanted to chat about with you today, is also one of those attempts to provide something that I think is very much needed for young people, for their parents and their grandparents, and it seems people reading the book are agreeing that it is helping. So I think I'm just a problem solver. I love that. That sounds great. Um, When you say that weightlifting is another problem solver, um, I think I want you to explain that just a touch before we get into the future. Yes, absolutely. So... um, Uh, Women of a certain age, and I think men too, but specifically women of a certain age begin to uh, lose hormones and lose muscle. And uh, it weakens them, not just physically, but emotionally they begin to feel less than sometimes because their body is no longer strong the way they had had it before. So, and I, I don't like that for myself, so I did a lot of research into a healthy fitness lifestyle, which includes, of all things, weightlifting. And uh, my goal is someday to become a bikini model, <laughs> one of those weightlifters who is 75 years old. But in the meantime, I found a way to make my body and therefore my mind and my self-confidence stronger through 
weightlifting. So again, problem solving. I love that. I, that sounds awesome. Do you really mean you want to be a bikini model at 75? <laughs> well, you know what's interesting is that, you know, I just started doing weightlifting because, as I said, I wanted to strengthen my body and my confidence. But apparently I'm really good at it, and my body is reacting and building muscle. So uh, the person, the people that I'm training with have advised me that if that's something I'd like to do, that I certainly have the mindset and the physical capability to do that. So why not set that as a goal? I've actually met uh, and spoken with a woman who's 75 years old, and she has done exactly that. And um, to meet her or talk to her or look at her, you'd never know her age. She looks like she's in her 30s. So why not? Right? Why not? Who doesn't want to look 30 at 75? (laughs) I'd like to look 30 now when I'm in in my 50s. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. It's It's something fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's another goal to work towards, right? Absolutely. The sky's the limit. We have no limits. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay, so we're going to talk mainly about Madrika today. Um, so who is Madrika? So Madrika is the um, young core hero of the story of Madrika, which is a book I just published in December. Um, she represents... The, the the idea of being able to to know that you are enough that you have a destiny and a journey that is very specifically yours like your dna it's only yours and that you actually have everything you need your own personal magic is all that's needed she demonstrates this in the book. Um, she is a 16-year-old who loses her grandmother, which is the only family she's really known. And she begins this incredible journey that was planned for her, but she didn't know, uh, by her mother and grandmother um, prior. And everything that she thinks is normal, you know, just like we do, we take a lot of things for granted in our life that we think are normal. So she does as well. But in her life, she has things like enchanted hot spicy apple muffins. She, have, she has wolf companions that she speaks with, right? She has this extraordinary ability to hear the thoughts of others. Um, and she doesn't realize that those things are special. So her journey and her destiny tests her. Um, She learns that there's far more to her than anyone in her sleepy little town might have imagined. She gathers people and creatures around her like a really wild three-headed dragon who's fantastic. Um, And she uses her abilities, her personal magic, to thwart evil and to to support good. And uh, looking at the world today and a lot of encounters that I have with young people especially, I feel that a positive role model who who could think of herself as a victim, but she's not, she takes her life and she utilizes it to go further and to go farther and to help others, I I think she's very much needed right now. I think so too. That sounds like something I could use, and I'm far from being a child. I think being a child in this world today is terrifying, right? And it would be nice if, you know, the person that's walking across the street, um, you know, could call you down and say, hey, listen, this is your superpower. You should use it right now. You're going to need it in 10 seconds. 
Totally right. Exactly. She gets the title of empoweress. So throughout the story, she becomes the empoweress. So what she's doing is she's using her own personal magic to recognize it in others. And then the magic, part of the magic, is that her personal magic and their personal magic, when brought together, uh, unified towards a, a good cause, actually multiplies everyone's personal magic. And that's true in life. I have lived this myself gathering people around me that are marvelous and have similar interests, maybe not the same journey and destiny, but aligned with mine, we can really make magic happen together. And so Madrika is an illustration of that. It's like a grassroots philosophical change. It's really funny because it was written as a child's book for my children when they were going through a very difficult period. My husband at the time was going through uh, stage four cancer. He was dying. And having three little girls in a household where someone's dying is very difficult. And so their ride to school every day, commuting each way an hour, uh, was my time to tell them a story. And the story I made up was the story of Madrika because she's all about hope. That's that's what she does is she inspires hope. And it's really funny because the parents and the grandparents and the caretakers and teachers that are reading this story to children are writing to us and saying, you know, I get it that it's kids, but honestly it's reminding me. Like I have a destiny. I have a journey. It's not over. I'm still here and I still have my personal magic. That to me is magic. <laughs> you know, the fact that they're oh my goodness, yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> it sounds like it was a great bonding time for you and your daughters because, I mean, it, not just your daughters were suffering with your husband being sick. I mean, it it was a terrible time for your entire family. Absolutely, and it gave them right. something and better to think about, something more right. positive. You know, so and I think absolutely. we as parents try to do that, right? Right, for sure. I mean, how easy would it be to put the radio on and, and lose yourself in another world in that, you know, <laughs> two hours of every single day, right? So that that's oh, amazing. Yeah. Are your yeah. girls? Are your girls like that themselves too? Like, do they make up little, you know, stories like that? to um oh, cope yeah. with their stress. Oh yeah. yeah. They are brilliant, creative people with imaginations that really put mine to shame. But I think it all started with this idea of we have what we need. This is a difficult time, but we have what we need to get through it and to thrive and with each other we'll help each other. And uh, I think that that kind of has stayed with them because they're grown-up adults now. They face their own challenges, and uh, I see it. I see that they're like, okay, this is difficult, but we have what we need. Let's think about it. Like, how can we resolve this and go forward? And not only that, but help other people who are doing the same. So, yeah, I think it's a legacy, and I'm hoping it's the legacy of Matrika, you know, because not every child – has that guidance or that model to follow, right? So if they don't have it locally in their family or or extended family or family they adopt, um, maybe the story will help them to see that there is that path 
and they do have what they need. It is in their satchel. It, they've got it, right? And they just need to figure out how to use it. I'm hoping that's the goal. Right, right. Well, and I'm, I mean, every every superpower or every magic that we have, we're all going to use it in a different way, even if similar. I mean, obviously it's going to be unique to the person, but we're all, you know, we're all capable of using it, and we're all going to use it differently. And let's hope that you know, the story of Madrika will help us to use it in a positive way, the way Madrika does. Exactly. And so you'll see the people and the creatures that Madrika attracts to herself. There's glorious forest nymphs that were fairies once, but that have been turned into these Amazon, beautiful Amazon wires, uh, warriors. They're actually pictured on the cover of the book. Um, the wolves, the three-headed dragon, Lucas, who is a counterpart uh, for Madrika, um, and others, those creatures and people that she gathers to herself, they all have their own personal magic, and in common, they want to do the right thing. But each other together, when they're gathered together united, then they begin to realize that they're all facets of a puzzle. They're all facets of a mosaic that together um, can accomplish more. That's why you'll notice that's the symbolism of the forest nymph's wings. They look like stained glass. They're described as stained glass. Because think about that for a second. How do you get the full picture in a stained glass window? Each little facet of glass by itself is kind of hard to see. Like, what is it? But when you put them all together, it's glorious. Right, it's beautiful, and the sun shimmers through it, and shatters on the ground. So those those symbolisms are real in the book. So the little facets, if you will, are the different people and creatures that she attracts to herself, and we do the same. I'm sure in your own life, you've attracted amazing people. Well, I know one of them, Candace Gish, <laughs> very well. Right, um, <laughs> right. So you've attracted miraculous people to you that have allowed you to do this good work that you do now. So I know you right. do it, and I think people will recognize that. Right, exactly. And it's, it's like that's, that's the message that, or the magic that I have, is to spread the word that women are allowed to be confident and in love with themselves. Absolutely. We are marvelous creatures. <laughs> right, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So what so how many how many stories of Madrika are there? Is it just one book or is there like a series? Oh no, it's a series because as I mentioned, the story was woven together over the course of a whole year, a whole school year, right? For two, and two times a day an hour each way. So I actually have what will now turn out to be seven books of story. So it's an epic, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, I love so, yeah, but, I and, really and love Madrika will, Yeah. Madrika will grow up. You'll see that she becomes uh, truly an adult empowerist and she mentors others throughout the book. So it, it's so clearly the picture of what I see as, as like women's roles in the world empowering others, strengthening others, partnering partnering with others, building something that will outlast her life. That's what we do. So really, Madrika is that symbol. 
I love this. This is so awesome. Okay, so um, so Madrika starts off as a as a child or a teenager. Is that right? Yes, she's sixteen. At, she's sixteen at the book. Oh, sixteen. Right. Um, sorry. Yeah. There's a few flashbacks then, of her earlier years, but she the story begins when she's sixteen. When she's sixteen. <clears throat> so she. When does she actually realize that she is magic? Like, is that something she realized at 16, or is it something yeah, that she so what happened, knew? Yeah, it's such, a, it's such an interesting thing, and my children really resonated with this. They really liked it, is that um, when her grandmother passes away, um, her grandmother had left everything in place. Throughout the book, it says that her grandmother and her mother had thought of everything, and they did. So when she passes away, Madrika discovers that there is actually a whole group of mentors that live right on the property that grandmother owned that she had never actually met. She had met them as a baby, but she didn't remember them, that were put in place. And magically, each of the mentors has only one of her superpowers. There's 24 of them. And the reason they were put in place was so that as she grew, they could each teach her how to use that one power. She has many more. She is the most powerful. She is more powerful than her mother or her grandmother. And the days after her grandmother's death, she meets the mentors, and they explain everything to her and and make her recognize that, like, for example, her ability to communicate with wolves without speaking, like telepathically, is not normal. Like not every little girl in the town can do that. But she didn't realize, like that's how she grew up. And it's very important because I meet women my age that immediately recognize their brilliance and their uniqueness. And when I mention it, they haven't recognized it yet. So it's really important. This is an important part of the book is that what you take for granted about yourself is magic. You really need to recognize it to be able to use it. That's one of the secrets. You don't recognize it, you can't use it. So that's why it's important for us to recognize it in others and to point it out because we empower them when we do it. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because oftentimes we don't look at ourselves like a person, right? So if you look at others, you see, wow, she's so great at that or she's you know, she's really good at doing this, and she doesn't even realize it. But we don't look yes. at ourselves like that, right? So when yes. someone else points it out, then we're like, oh, my God, she's right. She does do I do do that. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, growing up in a uh, – I've always been a feminist, I must say, but I, I think now of myself as a humanist. And watching the dynamics between men and women, especially in business and government and things like that um, – you know, it's a very competitive business. Women have had to fight really hard to get their voices to be heard, and I think we're we're getting better at that. But I've noticed that sometimes women will not lean in and help each other because they're competing, and it's the opposite of what they need to do because really recognizing what's great about another woman that you are working with or partnering with or whatever actually empowers you more than competing. So it's something I teach in my workshops. It's really important for people to realize that, that women especially, men do it, 
kind of naturally, sometimes on the golf course, but women especially can really empower themselves by empowering others. Yeah, and I think, I mean, competition doesn't get you anywhere. Like, I think if you can work together as a team, even if you're on the opposite side, you know, Mm -hmm. the more you, you know, stroke the other one's back, the better you both work, right? Because women feel better when they rise others up, right? Like when you make Mm -hmm. your child feel like they can handle whatever's out there, it makes you feel good as a mother, right? Because you know that you've given them empowerment. You've given them the strength to do what they have to do. And it works with other women as well. Yes. And it it magically builds your own confidence. See, because it puts you kind of in control. If you're the one who's confident enough to lean in and help someone else, competitor or not, it actually builds your leadership skills. So it it really is self-serving but also serves the greater good, which to me, win-win is everything. And actually it's funny because in the story of Madrika, she is not violent. She has all the power in the world. She could be violent if she wished, but she never chooses that path. She always negotiates. She goes to the ground level. She partners. She recognizes the good where she can find it. She empowers and she restores. And imagine a world where we all did that. Oh, my goodness. Well, that would never happen. Like, there's <laughs> there's way too much evil, right? There's just way too much evil. So, <coughs> oh, excuse me. So, okay, let's go back to the book. Tell me, is there yeah. is there a sign of evil throughout the story of Madrika? Oh, absolutely. So, you, in order to have good, there has to be evil, right? In order, like they say, if you believe in God, you have to believe in the devil, right? You have to believe in both sides of everything. Um, so, right. Madrika faces, the reason her life was set up the way that it was is because if the evil ones had recognized how powerful she really was as a child, they would have abducted her. They would have found her and they would have taken her. So the reason that she lived in a secluded cottage, taught by her grandmother at home, limited in terms of how much she, you know, she uh, met with people in the town and so on, was to protect her until she was of an age that she could utilize her power to protect herself and others. So that was very calculated. Um, she faces evil almost on her first day or second day of the journey because she is seeing the aftermath of what destruction evil had done to a gorgeous grove where bees were raising um, their their colonies and producing honey and where they were an oasis for magicals like elves and fairies and so on. Evil ones came there and destroyed the grove and trapped the magicals. She comes across this grove and that's one of her first acts is that she magically not just repairs it, but restores it, brings it back exactly to how it was before the day of the attack. So she, yeah, she faces the remnants of evil. Then several days later, she actually meets evil face-to-face in the form of of a town not too far away where magicals are being held prisoner. And she very nonviolently finds a way to release them and to remove the power from the evil ones in the town. And that's just in her first few days on her journey. <laughs> it's pretty exciting stuff. 
Oh my gosh, it's like so intriguing. <clears throat> I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking if you read this book as, let's say, um, you know, like a preteen, like say eleven, twelve, and then you read mm. it again in tw- like late twenties, early thirties, and then again, you know, say after retirement, I'm thinking you're going to look at this book and you're going to get such a different meaning and such a different. Um, form of empowerment each time you read it. Totally true. So one grandmother who I greatly respect, who is a professor, a um, published author, a worldwide speaker, a brilliant woman, um, told me that in reading the book to her granddaughter, she was like, wait, 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 I want to be grandmare. So one of the characters is grandmare, she is a grandmother, so to speak. Um, she leads the mentors, and she is the soul of goodness. Like, she is a talisman for Madrika on what's good, right, the standard for what's good. And um, this professor said, oh, my God, you reminded me of what my new, you know, my role as a grandmother is different. I'm actually a role model for my grandchild, not just to spoil her horribly, <laughs> but to show her you know, right from wrong and self-esteem and confidence. She's like, I'm rethinking this whole thing, you know. And I was really impressed because this is such a brilliant person. I would think she would have known all of that, you know, long ago. But she said that she wants to give it to all of her teachers and her fellow professors, all different ages, because she feels that there is an ethical standard of the book that helps adults. So it wasn't how I wrote it, but if people get that and it helps them, I'm super excited. Yeah, I, I, I feel like this is, like, amazing. I'm actually right now feeling like it's almost like Madrika is, like, a female version of what we call God. And she oh. is, you know, she's pointing out to all the people around her that, you know, God is really there, and if you want to find him, look inside. Oh, I think right? that's, that's how I Yeah, like I'm, that's how I'm, you know, I'm, I'm imagining what Madrika, and I mean, really, in the end, Madrika is whoever you want that to be, right? I mean, if it's yourself, or if it's God, or if it's your, you know, a professor at university, whatever it could be right? She's someone that you could look at as, you know, the, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the someone that you want to follow, right? Someone, yeah, yeah like your own personal guide. Yeah. 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 It just Jiminy sounds amazing. Cricket. Someone else said, yeah, reminded them of Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio, who was, you know, Pinocchio's conscience. So someone mentioned right. that, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, it's so I think it's so pervasive, and I wrote it in a secular way. I, I don't like books that, that are too much, um, you know, one way or the other, too liberal, too conservative, too religious. You know, I like them to be for everyone, right? So we of talk course. about the magic of the universe. You can interpret that any way you like. Um, so much so that uh, a, a really talented director, actor, producer, and writer, published uh, playwright um, in Connecticut, Terry Keyes, um, took the book in its manuscript form, it wasn't published yet, and asked if he could adapt it into a musical. 
because he believes that the story of Madrika is pervasive. It's it's universal. It should be played all over the world for audiences who speak any language and, you know, are in it. Art, you know, is a way of communicating very important messages. And so he wanted to take the book and turn it into a musical, and he's actually working on that right now. And he is also working with composers and lyricists for the music that will further the story, right? Because in musicals, you know, half of the story is told by the songs, right? And so we're we're really excited. We're hoping that that's going to launch in North America, in Canada, specifically in the U.S., uh, this year in 2024. Oh, I love that. Oh, my gosh, congratulations. I love that. That's amazing. So um, now in the, in the book, um, I'm, I'm noticing here, because I'm, I'm flipping through all the pages again, and there's a, a paragraph here that says, she heard a loud, angry voice made of hundreds of smaller voices, be gone, go now. You're not welcome here. Those voices are telling her to go away. Yeah. Yeah, those are the bees so in the Queen of yeah. Queens world because they don't know her yet. They don't know who she is yet, right? And so she approaches on the road, and they are very sensitive to strangers approaching their area because of what happened, because they were burnt out. They lost many of their colonies. Not only that, but their friends and travelers that were staying with them, um, elves and fairies and so on, were either captured or killed. And so they're, they're very angry until they realize that Madriga is the daughter of Xena, and Zena was the one who came to their rescue when the evil ones were, you know, putting the grove on fire and capturing Zena uh, and Philippe, who was her husband at the time, uh, came and, and limited the damage and did what they could to help them to restore. But Zena uh, was also on her way to deliver um, Madrika to her mother. So, so didn't get to do that. The wonderful thing is Madrika gets to finish Zena's work. So she re- fully restores the grove. And, uh, and then they are friends forever later in the book. She calls upon the Queen of Queens and the Bees to protect some refugees that she saves and sends to them. And that idea is networking, right? The idea is you help people, they help you, and then together you help others. And, and that's the only way to mend the world, right, is to bring people together for common good cause and build relationships that matter. And so Madrika helps them, and then they help her, and then they help the ones that she's saving. So it's, it's really great how that kind of builds together. Oh, my gosh. I am so, like, I'm in love with Madrika. <laughs> like too. I think that yeah, like she's amazing. Like so, okay. So you have seven stories, and I'm going to ask a question that you may not be able to answer. But what sure. is the highlight of the entire story? Like if you t- summarize all seven of the books, what would you call the highlight? Sure, that's easy. Um, so Madrika is taught from really day one for as long as she can remember that the most important things are family 
and not family that you're born into or adopted into, family that as you go through your journey and your destiny, you acquire, right? They don't have to be blood relatives. They're people that you identify as your family. And they don't even have to live near you and you don't have to talk to them every day. These are people that you recognize the personal magic of in your life and you are connected and you're connected by goodness, right? The, the goodness that you have, that they have, that you're both trying to do, whether in parallel or tangentially, that's what connects you, the network of love and support and goodness. And so throughout the book, the highlight of the book is she is demonstrating for the readers that as she goes through her journey and her destiny, um, she is building out that family, which becomes quite extensive. And actually in our lives it does too, if we really think about it, right? And so she's showing, for example, to the readers how it's done, what you do with what you've got, which is enough. And that's really the right. highlight of the entire story is that. I love, I, honestly, that is amazing. Because, well, not amazing. I mean, I think it's like truly incredible because, I mean, that's what we are all here to figure out, right? Who mm-hmm. really matters to us? Sometimes it is, well, most times it is our family by blood. But, I mean, also, it's also like the, the family that you create, the people that you connect with the most. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. And then, yeah. you know, your perp- you have a purpose is the other main story. Like, I meet so many people, all ages, children, adolescents, especially teenagers and college students, but a lot of adults. And it is clear to me that they do not know their purpose. They're lost. They're floating through, you know, iPhones and video and movies and, and other people's lives. They're, they're, they're floating but they never discovered their rudder. They never figured out what are they here for. Like they have a purpose. They really do. Everyone does. But without that, they feel lost. They feel depressed. They feel angry. They feel frustrated. They try to find their happiness built by other people, which they can't. And so, like, just knowing that I think is so important. You have a purpose. You will discover it. Not only that, your destiny that your purpose is related to, you have what it takes to fulfill it. You do. And that, I think, is a very uplifting understanding that really, I don't know why, but the majority of people just don't get to. And I want to make sure that Madrika makes them think about that. What She asks millions of times throughout the book, you will see, um, especially in the later books, books two and three, she asks people, what do you think your purpose is? And and it's an amazing and exhilarating thing to realize that you have one. It changes your life. And so it's really important. That's a very important message of the book. Yes, it sound, it, it truly is. And I think, like you said, we don't know where to find it, right? We don't know, but I think... This, in the story of Madrika, we will learn how to find or learn how to look for it, if not find mm-hmm. it. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. I really like I'm yeah, I really like this. I think this is really really awesome. I'm going to say like a special thank you to, to you for writing this because it sounds sure. like something every single person needs to read. Right? Like we mm-hmm. all need a reminder of our magic. I I couldn't agree with you more. If I win the lottery, I'm going to have 10 million copies printed and just distribute them, like throw them from airplanes. You know what I mean? Like that's yes, amazing. absolutely. I mean, there are people that would be in denial that wouldn't read it, but the truth is we all need to be reminded we all are magic. I really like yeah, this. Absolutely. If you get nothing else from it, just hearing that, and if that helps you to realize that your life has meaning and purpose and value, every single person's life does, it really changes your perspective on thinking. It's really hard to be racist or sexist or any of the ists when you realize that the people that you could be judging unfairly have a really important purpose in the world. Regardless of your thoughts, they do. They have value. It really makes you question how you would judge them unfairly, right? And it helps you to collect the people around you that need to be in your life to help you with your journey and for you to help them. It it really is an amazing energy that gets built around that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell um, our listeners, um, please, Rosanna, where we can get in touch with the book and maybe even with yourself. Of course. So I'm easy to reach. Um, the story of Madrika at gmail.com is me and my dream team, which are the people I've attracted to help with this project. Um, and the book is available to everyone in the world uh, through Amazon. But we are also um, slowly but surely um, bookstore by bookstore starting in Canada. We are getting it on local shelves. So if you would like to buy it locally, Please do. We always want to push business to local business owners. If you call and ask them if they have the book and they don't, they will find, you know, you can tell them. It's on Amazon. You can reach us through the story of Madrika, and we will make sure that they have books to sell. We would rather see that. But if not, Amazon.com, there's a paperback version, and there's also a hardback version of book one. Book two is due to start to be published um, in February. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Is there any, like, last words that you might want to say to our listeners um, about finding their own magic? Well, yeah, actually, I'd, I'd like to just say one thing to you, my friend. I think that your show and your mission is very much aligned with your journey and your destiny. First of all, you're so good at it. So that's that's a sign right there. Um, oh, thank but you. Also, you're welcome. But empowering women especially to understand their incredible value, right, the miracle of them, and to make sure they understand that they have a responsibility to use their magic for the greater good and for their own journey and destiny. I think your work is really, really important. I really appreciate you inviting me to speak with you today. Oh, thank you so much. This has been such an honor to have you today. 
I am so like in love with this book. I'm going to get myself a hard copy as well. I have it on my computer, but I'm going to have it have the hard copy. And if I should oh, have well. grandchildren, I am going to buy them each a copy. Oh, it's lovely. That's lovely. I hope I'll be doing a book tour somewhere close to you, and maybe I can meet with you and sign it for you. I would love to do that. Um, and, and thank you so much again. I really appreciate you. Keep doing what yes. you're doing. It's really important. Thank you so much. Confidence in Bloom is a celebration of self-love, a confirmation that even though you may not look like a screen star or a supermodel, they don't even look like that. You are an amazing, desirable, brilliant, gorgeous, talented woman. We offer unconditional love to our partners, our children, our extended family, even our pets. It's high time we got out of our own way and learned to unconditionally love ourselves. In Full Bloom, styling offers an online course combined with one-to-one coaching in confidence building, personal branding, and creating your signature fashion look. Chic definitely does come in every shape, so if you want something to believe in, start with yourself. If you'd like to be a guest here on Confidence in Bloom, contact me through Instagram at infobloomstyling or by email at, in, at tina at infobloomstyling.com or through the Divas That Care website. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.